What if each one of us lived up to our potential and managed our resources so well that we could provide for ourselves, our families, and our communities in a meaningful and substantial way? Join Mindful Money Management, the show dedicated to empowering socially conscious individuals to manage their financial resources for the benefit of themselves, their families, and the greater community. Here's Lynn Wedham, Certified Financial Planner at Asante Wealth Management. Welcome to our show today. We're going to hear from the good people at Intermediate Christian Home. Intermediate Christian Home is known as a place to start over when life has taken an unexpected turn. We will hear from the co-founder and director, uh, Marilla Martin, as well as Jesse Schroeder and Ed King are also going to tell us their stories. Welcome to the show today. Thank you so much, and thank you for your interest in Intermediate Christian Home. Wonderful. Morella is the co-founder and the director of Intermediate Christian Home. So tell us about the organization, Morella. Well, Lynn, most people probably haven't heard of us. We've maintained a pretty low profile in the community. And what I'm realizing now is that we've been just very busy caring for the needs of our guests. So time has gone by almost 12 years since we've opened. Wow. Um, Intermediate Christian, yes, <laughs> it's been a long time. It's a seven-unit home of assistance, one is set up for staff. It was established in 203 for males who are homeless or living in poverty due to challenges with mental health or similar disabilities. And it is actually now a registered charity and receipts for taxes can be issued to donors. The men that are choosing our facility are seeking to enhance their lives by realizing their potential in a relationship with God and by making lifestyle changes to support mental health wellness and promote positive functioning. Our home provides private rooms rather than shared rooms and a program that includes hands-on training and life skills. All participants benefit from living in a wholesome and structured environment, free from drugs and alcohol in order to pursue their personal goals. Okay. When you say hands-on training and life skills, just tell us a bit more about that, Morella. Well, it just means that when the men are coming in, we're not doing a lot of theory. The men are learning cooking skills. They're learning budgeting skills. They're learning problem-solving. One of the common threads with mental health issues is problem-solving. Mm -hmm. So we're helping them to problem-solve or we're helping them to think these things out on their own. Okay. So, Morella, why do you think that people become homeless? Well, I would think that there's three main reasons that are obvious to us. One is limited income, another one would be limited affordable housing, and another is limited supports. And if I could just expand on that a bit, Lynn, as far as income goes, most of the people that come into our home are on disability pensions and they're getting 1100 a month. And if they're on Ontario Works, they're getting 625 a month. And that's, of course, not enough to meet basic needs. There is public funding accessible, but these people are so troubled and they must navigate through a myriad of government bureaucracy to access it. And because they're dealing with such harsh circumstances, often depression and confusion and they're distressed, of course, they're not proactive about getting help and sometimes they feel unworthy, so they just give up. I'm sure that navigating some of those things can be challenging for anyone, you know, without yes. having these additional challenges. Now, when you say Ontario Works, is that ODSP? Um, no. So Ontario Works would be what used to be called Welfare, so they now call it Ontario okay. Works. Yes. 
That isn't a disability pension then, that 625 doesn't recognize no. a disability? It's a transitional stage. So people on Ontario Works, they've just like hit rock bottom. And so they're actually waiting to get on Ontario Disability. They've applied or okay. they're looking for work. Okay. All right. Thanks for uh, clarifying mm -hmm. that for me. What about then finding affordable housing? Well, that's a difficult thing in this city of Cambridge, as I'm sure it is in other cities. A bachelor apartments, which would be the first option out for our people when they're moving out of here. They're ranging from $600, and often what private landlords do is they overlook our resident applications because of the obvious lack of stability. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's government-subsidized housing, but they've got a four- to six-year waiting list for single males. So their options are kind of limited. Right, right. Well, especially if your income's at 625 right? Exactly. It's yeah. not enough for Arcadian standards here. You're not going to afford much of a room for 625 a month and try to feed yourself as well. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then the supports are limited as well. I mean, the supports are available, and some of them are really great. But there's just, you know, really long waiting lists to see psychiatrists and then long waiting lists to see mental health workers, sometimes eight months to a year. So it appears to me that the system is overloaded. Right, right. Yes, and we are hearing more about that in the news about people looking for help and not being able to find help for mental health as well. Yes, that's very true. Yes, so how do people that are trapped in this situation then, okay, you know, they have some challenge, so they're kind of trapped because there's not enough money to access a really stable place to live. So how do they learn about your home? Well, our guests are referred by word of mouth, so family doctors, psychiatrists, social workers, sometimes desperate single parents, and sometimes we run an ad on Kijiji so they can call us direct. We've served males from all ages, 20 to 57, who are challenged with bipolar disorder, autism, severe anxiety disorders, schizophrenia, developmental disabilities, OCD, cerebral palsy, which of course is physical, but it can affect mental health. And, and this list is not exhaustive. There's just many, many different illnesses. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's incredibly stressful and overwhelming for families that are dealing with a loved one with mental health issues. And unfortunately, the afflicted person can become separated from the family or the spouse and end up homeless. Right. We are finding that prior to entrance, many of these gentlemen are in a real state of crisis and hopelessness. And others are perhaps living in substandard housing, some sharing a room with one or two others. And of course, this environment doesn't really promote healing or wellness. And these folks are, you know, when they're hitting rock bottom, they're already struggling with rejection and unworthiness. And because of the harshness of their lives, many homeless people are just crushed in spirit. So upon entrance into our home, there's still stress, of course, and tension. And people are coming in from different backgrounds and dealing with just numerous illnesses, overlapping issues. Okay. So you talk about dealing with stress and conflicts. How do we deal with that? Well, it's not easy, Len. We take things one day at a time, and, well, let's say we pray a lot, and this brings about God's peace, and as we earn people's trust, and transformation and healing does begin. And because it takes considerable time to earn their trust and to establish relationships, the process requires a lot of patience and requires a lot of grace. The recommended and allowable stay at our program is for a one- or two-year term. Mm-hmm. And what is the mission statement of your organization? We are committed to preventing and ending perpetual homelessness in each of our 
participants' lives. Mm-hmm. Our program provides a real balanced approach to healing involving practical hands-on training, as we talked about already, in life skills, and there's a spiritual component to strengthen them and to encourage them to use their gifts and talents. We are basically preparing these gentlemen for independent living. This is in the initial phase of our program. And in the next stage, yeah, each gentleman is being prepared for volunteer opportunities and employment. And we really appreciate the support of local employers and friends who hire our clients for part-time or casual labor. This is a real great step towards confidence building and the goal of securing steady employment or meaningful volunteer work. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're also involved in resource sharing uh, with people in our community, which allows us to work alongside community groups and programs that can equip each gentleman for an entry-level position. And this would be like a realistic goal for those desiring to find Mm -hmm. gainful employment while balancing mental health wellness. There are exceptions, but even then, the individual must be cautious about triggering stressors, which may prolong illness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how did everything get started, Morella? Well, our motivation is we're inspired by beliefs. We believe the amazing teachings of Christ, of Jesus Christ, and his authority in our lives. And based on that, ICH reaches out to people of all backgrounds and beliefs with compassion and with care to encourage growth and to share the reason for the hope that is within us. My favorite psalm from the Holy Bible is 145, Psalm 145.8, and it says, The Lord is gracious, compassionate, full to anger, and rich in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all he has made, and he is compassionate on all he has made. Okay, so how did everything get started? Well, here's our personal story. In 2000, while attending EBC, I was enrolled in a double major, Counseling Studies and Religious Education. I volunteered at a Christian-based outreach agency for people living in poverty and many who were homeless. And this was my choice for the field education requirement. I met Richard, my husband, who was a volunteer at this agency. And we started to reach out to people over and above our volunteer hours. Richard and I were married the same year we met. And six months later, we were presented with immediate challenges. He was diagnosed with a mental illness. It was quite a surprise. While cooperating with doctors, it took five to six years to find the correct medication that would balance his mind. So our marriage was strained, and our plans to have children were thwarted. Yeah. And some of our listeners may be aware that there's so many side effects to medication for mental health. And recently, I've also learned that I had health challenges as well that hindered us from having children. Mm-hmm. So it was difficult for him to even maintain a job in earlier years. And to make matters worse, sometimes our social circle rejected us as well. And that's probably due to the stigma associated with mental illness. Though right. we kept praying, we kept pursuing the church for support. And we believe that God answered our prayers in a very unique way. First of all, okay, he provided Richard with a job at a local restaurant. And Richard also provides peer support to the gentleman in our home. He's overcome many, many obstacles, and one of the things I appreciate most about him is his transparency in dealing with life's problems. And is Richard the co-founder of the home, Morella? Yes, he is. Okay. All right. We're going to take time right now just to have a break, and we'll come back to your story right after this break. In society, plant giving seems to be presented as something you do when you're extremely wealthy or planning your estate. Mindful Money Management focuses on planning your contribution at every step around the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you 
and create a better world. Tune in to Mindful Money Management regularly. Feel free to contact Lynn Wedham of Asante Estate and Insurance Services with your planned giving questions. You can contact Lynn at lynn at mindfulmoneymanagement.ca. I'm your host, Lynn Wedham. Today I have guests from Intermediate Christian Home. I've been speaking with Marilla Martin, who is the co-founder of Intermediate Christian Home. So, Marella, in your story, we've heard that your husband, Richard, was diagnosed with a mental illness, and uh, many challenges come with that, you know, certainly challenges of jobs and dealing with many things. So, tell us what happened next. How did you happen to get into this work that you're doing now? Well, Lynn, in 2003, while living through our own struggles, we purchased a home using personal funds to house homeless friends. We realized that many who were struggling with mental health issues were in worse situation than ours. So it was very healthy for us to take our minds off our own problems and to share our resources so that some could have a roof over their heads. I was at the time a successful broker owner of a real estate company from 91 to 96 top saleswoman in Cambridge. And at some point, I came to the realization that I had lived my former manner of life selfishly, resulting in misplaced priorities and regrettably in failed relationships. But gradually, as I became interested in the Christian faith, I had a heart change and I lost interest in the business. And of course, there is nothing wrong with being a business person. Businesses provide jobs for people and they keep the economy going. But I personally realized that I remained in the real estate business for the wrong reasons. However, I became very interested in mental health and helping homeless people. So to gain experience, I volunteered at various local agencies for about seven years. And later, I was employed at a large group home association where I was a job finder for people with intellectual, mental health, or physical disabilities. And then finally, in 2008, I closed my real estate brokerage in order to be more effective in helping this homeless population. And then in 2013, Intermediate Christian Home became a registered charity, and we're now able to provide receipts for donations. And we have a website. If you Google Intermediate Christian Home Cambridge, it'll come up. All right. That's good. So how do you fund your organization, Morella? Well, most of our costs and for the accommodation and food are offset by our residents. So they pay a fee for the accommodations and food from their disability pensions. However, this is not enough to cover the home's maintenance and staff costs. So we have personally depleted RSPs and personal savings, and we actually are now in need of help from our community. So we're very thankful for this opportunity to raise awareness. Yes. And are there grants available for you? Are there other Um, sources? Yes, there are, Lynn. I'm glad you mentioned that. We've shied away from government funding just because of the many restrictions because we are so involved with the church. We're getting some funds from the churches. And we also are, there's a couple that they're trying to, they've offered us an opportunity and they said that if we would raise 25000 from contacts and fundraising that they will match it. So we're really close now. I think we're about $2,500 away from reaching our goal. So we're okay. really kind of excited about that, yeah. Okay, so there's a real need for some cash to come in in the next little while to bring that up to topping that goal. So that might be something that some of our listeners might be interested in doing. So again, what's the main goal of Intermediate Christian Home? Our mission is to prevent and end perpetual homelessness in each resident. And with our passion, Lynn, and each gentleman's active participation, 
we believe that this goal is very achievable. Well, and I really appreciate the fact that, you know, it seems to me that to prevent and end perpetual homelessness would be far too great a goal, but to prevent and end perpetual homelessness in each resident, that's a very achievable goal because you're you're doing it one person at a time. I think that's really important. So if we have time, we might come back to close off with you, Morella, at the end. But I think we've got Jesse and Ed there, and uh, I think we'll move on right now and chat with Jesse a bit. And we may bring you back on at the end again. Thank you so much for this invitation to share about our work, Lynn. Really appreciate it. It's been great. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Lynn. I met Jesse a few weeks ago. We had dinner together at a meeting. Jesse's a 21-year-old gentleman. He currently resides at ICH, Intermediate Christian Home. And he's going to tell us a bit about his very interesting story. Jesse, what was your life like before you became homeless? Well, Lynn, at a young age, I was diagnosed with epilepsy as well as a learning disability. And on several occasions, I was rushed to the hospital at night. And one of those times, I almost died. Thankfully, the doctors at the hospital responded quickly and saved my life. At age 10, my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. At the time, I didn't quite understand the extent of her diagnosis and naively thought that she'd be easily cured if she followed the doctor's orders. And she started chemo treatment in the spring, but eventually decided to use natural treatments. And unfortunately, by fall, the cancer spread to her lungs. And she was rushed to the hospital, and I found my dad crying near the kitchen. And shortly after, we went to the hospital where we met our cousins and aunt and my uncle. Uh, she peacefully died there. We have that in common. I lost both of my parents to cancer, Jesse, so I know what that walk is like. So for yourself, how did your mom's passing then affect your family situation? Uh, eventually, my dad remarried, and my mother brought her two children from her past marriage, and I have a biological brother who came into the relationship, and we blended our family together. And initially after the loss, I was devastated and shut down for many years until I started playing sports in grades 7 and 8. It was really difficult to try and relate to other students at school, especially at a young age, already having pre-existing difficulties. Mother's Day was especially hard when other children were making presents. However, I wanted my dad to be happy, so I did not intervene. I was still grieving my mother's passing while trying to finish grade 12 even and working two part-time jobs. Uh, I was also struggling with severe anxiety and stress, and I could not understand why our world was so broken. And there were so many people I knew from school who got pleasure of bullying others and making other people's lives miserable. But I do admit that I had made fun of a few people to make my friends laugh. And however, my friends knew I was struggling with mental illness and past issues and kept making fun of me and others. And Jesse, I just I want to ask you this question. When you were in high school, your issues were already there. Were there no resources for you to reach out for some help, you know, even at grade 12? Or was it just that you didn't really understand that you needed help? What would you say was the reason that there wasn't help for you at that point? Well, then, honestly, um, I think the teachers in the school system try to do as much as they can, but I think bullying is a really huge issue because it's hard to police the students and have teachers there all the time. And right. the fact of the matter is people are still being made fun of and people are being wounded and sometimes it goes beneath people. They don't even see 
see it or maybe they don't identify it. They think somebody's just having fun with their friends when really they're being hurt. And right. I was going through counseling, getting a lot of help on the side, but I did okay. see my counselor at school and uh, my guidance counselor. I did have them support me in the sense that the teachers understood what I was going through and they made accommodations and helped me get through the end of the school year. But it was still really okay. difficult because at that point in time, everybody's at the top of their high school and there's a lot of ego and people think that yes. they're at the top of the world and then they get knocked down the next year. <laughs> yeah, you're very right. There's a real danger for people in that when they're the big fish in a small pond, right, and then you go into the world and, and become the small fish. You're right. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. So how did you get from that point, Jesse, to being homeless? Well, after that point, my parents really didn't know how to handle my mental health conditions, and things got stressful in our family home. So I ended up at a local shelter where my best friend picked me up and I stayed with his family for several weeks. And within okay. that time, I was able to get a full-time job and I made enough money to pay my way down to Ottawa to live with my aunt temporarily. Okay. And after staying in Ottawa for about a year, I tried moving back in with the family. However, there was still a lot of tension and my family did not feel comfortable having me live there. So they gave me a few months to find a place to live. However, I didn't want to wait because I felt rejected. So I agreed to go into a group home where I was kicked out because another resident told another person that I made a racial slur against him, even though that wasn't true. Uh And from there, I moved to Kitchener, where I temporarily stayed at a crisis respite. But they refused to let me stay overnight over a technicality. And at this point, I had no idea what I was going to do because it was about 10 p.m. at night and I had no one to help me. Uh, I met a guy at the crisis respite place who was a crackhead and part of a gang. And he told me about a local shelter near the Charles Street bus terminal and agreed to take me there. I was really thankful, so I gave him a pair of my running shoes. And I stayed at the shelter for about two weeks and then was referred to a local domiciliary hostel where my parents paid the initial month. And I got on Ontario welfare from there. And while I was at the hostel, I was receiving disability pension due to a car accident although it took many months to get receive that. Uh, and I was okay. moved around from one room to another 11 times in a nine-month period in which I had to share a room with one or two other men. Sometimes my belongings were taken without my permission when I was not home. In addition, I was verbally abused by the owner who treated myself and others poorly. And the place oh. was infested with bed bugs, and I got food poisoning twice. And on oh, one nice. occasion, I actually had to go to the hospital by ambulance. But the owner refused to change anything. And as such, the government has recently pulled the funding on this hostel. I see. Okay. It's time for us to go for a break again, Jesse, but we want to hear more about your story when we come back. So just stay tuned and we'll be right back. Do you want to make a difference? What if you found a way to make a far bigger impact than you ever thought possible? Apply mindful money management and learn how to create a better world by casting a vote for your values every time you spend, invest, and donate. Lynn Wedham is available to speak to you individually or to your group. You can reach Lynn at 519-654-8342 or by email at lynn at mindfulmoneymanagement.ca. Welcome back to our show today called When You Need to Start Over. I have Jesse here. He's representing Intermediate Christian Home. He's telling us his story, 
At that point, it's 10 o'clock at night and you've nowhere to go. I imagine there was a good deal of fear at that point. Would that be true? Yeah. Yes, that would be true. Yeah, for sure. I was uh, really scared and I was really vulnerable at the time. I just, uh, I really felt that I I honestly wasn't sure what I was going to do at all. And I was surprised that I even was able to find an accommodation for that night. Yes. And another interesting point to me was, you know, the individuals that you were forced to take advice from at that time. That's interesting to me as well. And then you went through some other very frustrating situations where you had a place to go, but you weren't treated very well in those situations. So when did things start to change for you? Well, when my social worker referred me to Intermediate Christian Home in July 2014, and I really hadn't regretted it since. It's a clean and healthy home with group sessions and one-on-one training. I've learned a lot about eating healthy meals, and I learned cooking skills here, and I learned about accountability and Christian character. On the weekends, it's relaxed, and we have a lot of fun here. Morales helped me get reconnected with the church and get back to pursuing my career goal. I'm currently going to school at Conestoga College where I'm taking, I was just taking a law clerk program and I'm just in the middle of transferring to another legal program. I'm going to be taking a transformative mediation training course in conflict resolution uh, next week, which is offered in conjunction with the Community Justice Initiative Program. That's great. And, so, yeah, transformative so. mediation training. What do you think that person is actually doing? What do you think the day-to-day position actually involves? Uh, Well, it's really about um, reconciliation, Lynn. It's about uh, understanding both parties' situation, their background, their issues, and trying to meet in the middle and find a common ground where, because sometimes one party will want to do something, but the other party is resistant to uh, alternative dispute resolution. So I think it's important that both parties are willing to participate and want to uh, reconcile the situation without going through the court system, which is really backlogged and not cost-effective. Right. And do you think that your background will put you in a unique position to really listen to people? Yeah, well, that's something I thought about, too, when I was considering it, because I really believe in... It's not that other people who get into these positions to try to help resolve issues they can't help people. It's just I feel that I can give that extra boost, having that personal experience and being able to relate to that person and go back and tell them my story and make them be able to trust me because I think trust is a huge thing. And it's not easy for people that have had different trauma in their life just trust some random person who has a degree or some sort of credential. Yeah. And I think you're in a position to understand, but in a real position to offer people hope too. Yes, no, definitely. I really um I really feel encouraged and fulfilled and even inspired by when I just am able to help somebody out and they come up to me after and they just tell me how they're impacted and thank me like I don't expect anything from them, but it's just really amazing to see how God changes other people's lives through using other people as well. Yeah, it's wonderful to know how well you're doing at this point, Jesse. I think there's A lot of people rooting for you right now, isn't there? Yeah, no, for sure. I really appreciate all the support that I've been getting. It's really amazing, and it just keeps going from one thing to another. So I look forward to what's to come. Yeah. Another thing I really appreciated, you know, you described the other places where you'd have had to stay, 
and you describe Intermediate Christian Home as a healthy place to be. And there's a number of reasons that it's a healthy place to be, right, from food through to the way you're treated and many things, but just that word healthy is a a very good description, isn't it? Yes, no, definitely. I really feel uh, that I've been blessed and I've really had the opportunity to grow and learn quite a bit here. And yes, we have our struggles, but you know what? I have the ability to move forward and I get a lot of support and nobody's trying to hurt me that there's no ulterior motive and it's just Mm -hmm. all really amazing. And what's the greatest thing about Intermediate Christian Home? Uh, The main thing that has struck out for me at at Intermediate Christian Home that has had the most impact is being able to reconnect with a great church, which has shown me the love of God and has in turn transformed my life around. I've just seen week after week, month after month, I've just been transformed like one thing after another, just being able to reconnect with my family even, and just things just kept moving forward. There hasn't been a slow progress, even within one year. I would have never pictured any of this happening. So there's been a lot of support, and we certainly wish you well in your studies and in your career, Jesse. I hope I hear from you again. (laughs) Yeah, thanks, Len. I appreciate that. Stay in touch and let me know how you're doing. Yeah, no, for sure. Now, we're going to switch over, and we're going to talk to uh, Ed at this point. Ed's going to tell us about his story. So, Ed, how did you learn about Intermediate Christian Home? Before I entered ICH, I was homeless. I met a pastor at my church, and he referred me to ICH. pastor was currently employed as a mental health worker. Okay. So how did you find yourself homeless? I was sharing a house with, with my twin brother. He became mm-hmm. ill and out of work. We lost a home and could no longer afford it on one income. Okay. But we found an apartment, and on moving day, my brother had a heart attack. Oh. We were stuck and didn't have money to cover expenses. I turned to alcohol and soon after lost my job of 18 years due to stress and burnout. And what was your job, Ed? I worked at night shift at a gas station. Okay, okay. And what did you do from there? Well, I applied for welfare, welfare for financial assistance, and so did my brother. We soon moved into a less expensive apartment, and soon after this, my brother had a stroke and was moved to a convalescent home. And with two of us sharing, we could afford an apartment. But when you moved into a convalescent home, like I was getting 600 a month, and the rent was 750. Right. Yeah. And if we didn't have my welfare, my, my medication expenses wouldn't be covered either. Right. So you've got $750 a month for rent. You're paying for some medication, and we haven't even talked about having anything to eat at that point on $600 coming in. Yes. Okay. So you're in a situation where obviously the math is not working here. You're getting you're you're going into the hole further each month. You are a bit trapped in that situation and you didn't have a whole lot of options at that time. So how did you deal with the situation then? That's when I had a pastor who referred me to ICH and my okay. future started to get brighter. Okay. And what's ICH done for you? They helped me reconnect with my sister and sponsored me to cover my meals. My okay. sister covers my cell phone expense now, so that helps. Yes, for sure. And it helped me rebuild my confidence in my abilities and encourage my talents. Okay. It helped me with computer skills, writing a resume, and job searching. Great. And what Marla, else? Marilla also advocated for me with government agencies, and my doctors provided assistance so that I could receive a disability pension. Okay. 
I started this process five to six years prior to ICH and got discouraged with all the complicated forms. Ah, okay. So what are you doing now? I'm employed at a local farm as a casual laborer and a volunteer staff at ICH. Great. Edward, you mentioned that you turned to alcohol during your difficult times, and I would assume that that's quite common for people that get into the kind of difficulties that you were in at that time. Is alcohol still a problem for you, Edward? No, being in a substance-free home, I learned to turn to God instead of alcohol. I became more outgoing and friendly through group sessions and church attendance. And I learned that even through human failure and also when the odds are overwhelming, I put my trust in God, continues to work in my life and always be there for me. That's great. So what's the best thing for you about Intermediate Christian Home? It helps stop homelessness a few people at a time. Right. Uh, it's a good place to live. You know, as I said before, I think that's so important, you know, even one person at a time, because everybody's situation is so different and everyone's needs are different, aren't they? Yes, they are. So it is all about one person at a time. Thank you, Ed, for being with us and sharing your story as well. We're going to go to break now. And we'll bring Morella on afterwards and chat with her just a bit more. In society, plant giving seems to be presented as something you do when you're extremely wealthy or planning your estate. Mindful Money Management focuses on planning your contribution at every step around the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and create a better world. Tune in to Mindful Money Management regularly. Feel free to contact Lynn Wedham of Asante Estate and Insurance Services with your planned giving questions. You can contact Lynn at lynn at mindfulmoneymanagement.ca. Hello again, this is Lynn Wedham. Our guests today are from Intermediate Christian Home. We've been chatting with Jesse and Ed and Morella. So, Morella, if you would just again tell us what ways could people help if they're interested in your work? How can people help you? There's many different ways um, that they can help. They can provide food certificates from grocery stores. That would be a huge help. They could help by volunteering. There's certain tasks that we need for people. We have people right now just getting water bottles for us and things like that. And we need donations. We need funds to keep the house going. And, you know, we just appreciate donations of any amount. And is there opportunity for people if they were, you know, if they had a small business or if they had work at their home that they needed to do, is there opportunity for you to place people in work situations as well? There is. We would need qualified staff to fill some of the positions. So they would need a background in social services and preferably in mental health. I meant for people to hire some of your residents. Yes, that would be fabulous. We would really appreciate people um, giving the guys a chance to work even odd jobs. There's different skills here that come into the home. There's a young man, for example, who does landscaping and just loves it. Ed actually has an accounting background, so he could do some simple accounting. A lot of odd jobs, a lot of entry-level positions uh, the men could do, so casual labor or part-time labor would be great. Mm Mm-hmm. 
again, how can people reach you? Just make that clear again that if people do want to support, you know, as far as the food or financially or if they have a job opening that someone could fill, how can they reach you, Morella? Um, they can reach us by phone. Our direct line is 519-621-6871. Or they could get us through Intermediate Christian Home at gmail.com. So they can reach us through email as well. Okay. And if there's, you know, one message that you would want for our listeners to be very clear about, what would that message be? I think that message would be that we are concerned that because we call it a Christian home, that we wouldn't accept people that are not Christian. I think I want our listeners to know that we would accept people from any background. And we just want to show them the love of God. We want to show them kindness. And we want them to feel they're valued in our society and that they're part of our society and that they're valuable. And I would say as well that there are a lot of services that are being filled. You maybe aren't providing all the services, but you're helping people to navigate the different services and opportunities that are available to them. Would that be fair to say? Uh, That would be very fair to say because obviously we can't do it all. So we are really wanting to encourage residents to integrate into the community and connect with the wide ranges of resources that are available. Right. Uh, Because once they leave here, we're still always working with the new ones. And, you know, the ideal situation is that they're integrated with social services and with the mental health community and then with the church as well so that there's a spiritual component as well. Well, I mean, the one thing that Ed mentioned was just that he'd become very frustrated with trying to get his disability pension. And, you know, you helped him do that. I mean, that one bit of help was very important to him. Yes, and and it was hard. And Ed is an intellectual, so his disabilities are not apparent. So I Mm -hmm. think that was one of the stumbling blocks that Ed had. He doesn't look like he has (laughs) issues, and and yet there is. But he's pretty high-functioning at this point. Yeah. But, you know, all these services, you know, some of them are out there, but yes, people can become very frustrated trying to navigate through them. Yeah, I find it difficult myself to navigate through the paperwork. I find it very complicated. And you've been through it many times at this point, I'm sure. Yes. Well, Morella, we certainly wish you well in the home, and thank you, and thank Jesse, and thanks to Ed for coming and telling us about the work that you're doing, and we certainly hope that you find all of the supports that you need in the community to keep the organization strong and providing the services that you provide. So thanks so much for being with us. Well, thank you also for your compassion, Lynn, and your interest in people who are homeless. We are really thankful for this opportunity and and for your audience for listening. Yes, and lots of support for your work. So, again, thanks for joining us. So, remember, I'm here to help. Let's book a time to talk and get you started on your path to achieving your goals and dreams. As a speaker, I'm always willing to speak to any of your groups that might be looking for a speaker. Some of my favorite topics are the three stages of life, learning, earning, and returning. There's your reason, how to leave a gift in your will in six easy steps. Always like to know what you think of the show. Send me that email. This is Lynn Wadham. Until next time, take the right steps to support yourself, your family, and your community. See you next week. 
Thank you for choosing to listen to Mindful Money Management. We hope you'll join us next time. To listen to more shows like this one, please go to soundcloud.com and search Mindful Money Management. We appreciate your follows, likes, and shares. Until next time, remember to celebrate your wealth by doing something for yourself, your family, and your community.